Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. We're in this series called Bridges. Everybody shout Bridges. Uh, you can do better than that. Everybody shout Bridges. So we've been in this series called Bridges. And let me kind of explain where we're at for those that may be new joining us for the first time this week or those who maybe have missed the last couple weeks of our gatherings and our services. So Jesus has this statement that he makes in Matthew chapter 7. And he talks about uh, narrow is the path that leads to life. Broad is the, the broad road leads to destruction. And what he's doing, he's making a correlation that our walk with him, our relationship with him is like a path that we're on. And that as we continue on that path, I believe we're getting stronger and closer to him and to where we become the men and women of God we were intended to be. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll lay hands on sick people and they'll get well. It, it lists out these beautiful things that the believer, the Christian, the follower of Jesus should be walking in. I want you to know I haven't quite gotten to all those places of strength yet, but I'm on the path. Are you with me? Say yes. I'm on that narrow path and I'm growing and I'm getting closer and closer and closer to places of maturity in certain areas of our life. And with that, we determine that in these paths, on this path following Jesus, there'll be these moments where we get to obstacles we get to divides if you will and a, a, a giant if you will chasm or a difficulty and there are these bridges that have to be crossed to continue going on in our faith and I have proposed to you over the years I have ministered to so many people who've been on, on, on fire for God they love Jesus then they would get to one of these chasms and they said nope I'm not going any further in God I'm not gonna forgive I'm not going to go past this. I, I'm not going to do it. And they won't cross that bridge to continue on the path. They'll just stop. And their spiritual growth will stop. Their maturity will stop. And they become, if you will, stagnant. And we find these people in the churches around the world everywhere we go. Men and women who have just said, no, I'm not going any further. This is as far as I want to go. I don't want to hear it. I don't want anybody to tell me. And we get stuck on our pathway because we refuse to cross a bridge. And so we've been identifying some of these bridges in all of our lives we started with the bridge of fear and each and every one of us have to cross that bridge probably daily for some of us and even right now a lot more than that we talked about the the, the bridge of worldliness our own sinful nature our own draw into the worldly things and and, and we have to cross that bridge and to keep walking into purity Last week, we talked about the bridge that leads to unity, uh, but we have to cross through our own selfishness. We have to cross past that bridge, if you will, today. So today's a new bridge, and uh, are you ready to get into the Word? Say yes. Yeah. A 10-year-old little public school kid, young man, found himself in fifth grade math struggling for, for all of his life. His mom and dad wanted to do something to help him, and so trying to encourage him, but he was lazy in, when it, in regards to math. He didn't like it, didn't want to do it. And so they tried everything they could. They got after-school tutors. They tried to work with him. They gave him incentives, and he just would not get good grades in math. 
finally they decided, well, let's change schools. Maybe it's the school. So they brought him to the Catholic school. Watch out. They brought him to the Catholic school. And the first day he came home from Catholic school, he went straight to his room. And for two hours, he did not stop studying math. Tried with all of his heart. Wouldn't even come out for dinner. Just worked on it, worked on it. He did this week after week after week until the report card came back. And he had an A in math. His mom and dad were blown away. And sitting there at the table, they said, little Johnny, what happened? What made the change? Was it the constant pressure we were putting on you? He said, no. He said, was it, was it the tutors from back in the day that kind of helped jumpstart? No. He says, what, they asked him, what was it? He said, well, when you brought me to that new Catholic school and I walked in and I saw that guy nailed to the plus sign, I knew these people meant business. Come on, somebody. I knew these people weren't messing around. <laughs> so today we're moving into a new bridge, the bridge of persecution. Write that down. The bridge of persecution. Look what the Holy Scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking in verse 10. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Last week we looked at one of the passages of scripture where Jesus is prophesying about the end, what will the end of the world look like, and he begins to talk about wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, COVID-19, these kind of, all these kind of things happen. And he said, and brothers would divide against brothers and sisters against sisters. There would be many false teachers that confuse and, and people will walk away from the faith. And he said, the love of most would grow cold. It would grow cold. I believe that's going to have a lot to do with persecution that we, the church, are going to face. In the United States, we don't get a whole lot of persecution. Like my, my Christian brothers and sisters that live in Muslim countries or my Christian brothers and sisters that live in communistic countries and things like that. The underground church of China could testify what real persecution looks like. But I believe this thing is ramping up. We see the times becoming much more in times, if you will. And so with that, I want to prepare you how to cross this bridge. In fact, I would make a couple of statements about persecution. Write these down. Persecution is how I would define it. It's the point where light meets darkness and darkness pushes back. Where light meets darkness and darkness pushes back. I would also define it like this. Persecution is the result of genuine believers standing for the principles of Christ. Genuine believers standing for the principles of Christ. There's going to be persecution when you stand for the genuine, pure principles of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I was a, when I was a young man, I, I was living... You know, I was living kind of a carnal life. I was in high school, and, and I was really struggling with sin. I enjoyed sin. And my best buddy and I, man, we were knotheads. When I tell you knotheads, we went to church. You know, I'd been on fire for God, but I just kind of, like, whatever. I kind of got more caught up in what was happening in society and girls and, and life. And I just kind of, like, threw Jesus aside. And we were, we were out stealing stuff and acting a fool. And I went to this youth camp. And while I was at this youth camp, man, the power of God came on me, and the Lord rocked my world. I mean, and I fell on my face, and I said, Lord, I have, I have treated you. I have shamed you. You're supposed to be my best friend, and I have left you out in the cold. I have walked away from you. I want to repent. God rocked my world. I came back, 
And it was, we were going back to school because this youth camp happened, you know, right a week or so before school went back. Went back to school, and before, before we went back to school, the weekend before, I went to my best friend. The guy who had been, he's, he was a PK, he was my best friend, and the guy that we did wickedness together, and I came to his house, and, and he said, uh, man, how was, the, how was the camp, bro? Did you hook up with some girls? Ah. I was like, bro, I, that's what I'm here to talk to you about. He's like, man, tell me, man, was it some fine chicks? What all y'all do? Ah. I said, well, I said, bro, I just wanted to come to you because God changed me, man, and I'm tired of being a hypocrite. And, and I, I fell on my face that, this weekend, and I just asked God to forgive me. And, and, bro, I'm just here because you're my best friend. I just want you to go with me, man. I'll, I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of stealing. I'm tired of acting a fool. I'm tired of being a hypocrite. And I just, man, I know that's in your heart too. And I just, I just came to see, man, maybe we can do this together because we can go back to school, man. And I just feel like, you know, I know if I go back to school as the only sold-out Christian, I'm going to get persecuted. And so I was hoping you could come with me. And I thought for sure my best friend would go, yeah, let's do it. The opposite happened. He looked at me, he said, hold up, don't judge me. You don't know me. I was like, no, actually I do. And um, actually your fruit is pretty wicked, <laughs> like mine. And so, but I've repented, I, together we can do this. And man, he got so mad. He said, no, nah, I'm, I'm just fine. I'm just fine who I am. When we went back to school, this is our senior year, a couple days later, I'm, I'm standing at my, my locker, and here comes my buddy with all my friends. Whoa, watch out everybody, there's Adam. Oh, he's holier than now. Y'all better not say nothing bad around him because he's going to put you in hell. Watch yourself. And when I tell you, this friend of mine commits to persecuting me every day. Every day. I'm talking about calling me out, exaggerating everything. It was the bane of my existence. I can remember driving to school, sitting in the parking lot saying, Lord, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it ostracized. It's not worth they, all the seniors going to lunch, and nobody is inviting me anymore. I'm the leader of this group. What has happened? All because of you. See, persecution is when you and I stand for the principles and the attitudes of Christ, and wickedness begins to push back against us. Let me tell you what persecution is not. Write this down. Our persecution should never be the result of wrong attitude and behavior. Don't call it persecution just because you was acting a fool. That wasn't persecution. You didn't do your job. Years ago, I, I, I ran a Bible school locally called Christ for the Nations. And, and uh, I'll never forget this one gal. She was one of our students. She was a little older. Most of the students are in their 20s. And she was, you know, a little older in her 30s or so. In other words, more established, a little further in life. And she kept asking us all the time, y'all just pray for me. I'm being persecuted at work. I'm being persecuted at work. I'm trying to tell them about Jesus. They just keep persecuting me. And then finally one day she said, they fired me. They fired me because of Jesus. And hallelujah, I'm just going to stand for Jesus. Well, a year or so later, I called that company because they were very, always very gracious about hiring our students. And we had some students that needed jobs. And I called them and said, hey, listen, I want to reach out to you. In the past, you've always wanted to hire our students. And, and the owner of the company, smaller company, he said, I will never hire another Christ for the Nation student. I said, what happened? He goes, remember that gal? I had forgotten that she was the one that, quote, was persecuted. He go, I said, yeah. He goes, let me tell you how hypocritical. He said, that girl would come to work, preach to everybody all day long, not do her job, sit around talking. And then when we would confront her about, you need to do your job, she would blame us for persecuting her. We weren't persecuting her. She needed to do her job. He said, and then what would happen is every time something went wrong, she was always in the middle of gossiping and slandering and just made it terrible for our company. He said, and then when we finally said we, had, we have to let her go, you know what she did? She stole money from us. 
She's telling us she's being persecuted. That's not persecution. That's her being a thief. That's her being a fake Christian, if you will. Don't call it persecution when you and I are not living right. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. And so as we look into this persecution thing, I just want you to know there's some real truths that we see in Scripture. So let's get through some of the biblical thoughts on persecution. Number one, Jesus promised that we would experience persecution. Matthew chapter 10, he said, all men, verse 22, all men will hate you because of me. How many men? All men. That's pretty daunting. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 23, when you are persecuted, not if, when you are persecuted, skipping down to verse 24, a student's not above his master or his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like the teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of his household? Jesus saying, listen, if they beat me, if they cursed me, what can my followers expect to receive as well? You're not going to be above me. Somehow you're going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to come towards you. It, it will happen. It may have happened for you already. You may experience it now. You may be going to experience it in the future. But this is a bridge that we have to cross because on the other side of the persecution bridge is maturity in Christ. Is a, sta- a stabilization that says, you know what, it doesn't matter because nothing can shake me. I know who the one is. That's why I had us sing the tenets of our faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. I believe that all men need to call upon his name because there will be a judgment to come. I believe these things. This is what makes me a Christian. And that, because of those things, there'll be people who won't like me. There'll be people who'll be mad at me. There'll be people who who, who falsely accuse me, as Jesus says, who will not enjoy being around me. Not because I'm mean, not because I'm rude, because I shouldn't be any of those things, just simply because what I believe. Are you there? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Are you there? Say yes. Jesus himself was persecuted. He promised that we would be persecuted. He himself was persecuted. Look in John chapter 5, verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, what was he doing? He was healing people. Because he was doing good, look what it says, the Jews persecuted him. John chapter 5. If you drop down to John chapter 7, I want to point out this passage and this engagement that Jesus has with his own brothers, his own half-brothers. This is pretty enlightening. Uh, John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposefully staying away from Judea because the Jews were waiting to take his life. Everybody say persecution. They were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. Why does his disciples need to see the miracles he does? They're his disciples. They already believe in him. So listen, listen at the manipulation from his own brothers. These, these are Mary and Joseph's children. This is Jesus, if you will, half-brothers. And so look, look, at, look at the manipulation. You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that the disciple, your disciples may see the miracles you do. Verse 4 No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Verse 6, therefore Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. In other words, I'm going to die, but this ain't the time. They're going to kill me, but this ain't the time. For you, any time is right, and he qualifies. The world cannot hate you. 
but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast because for me, the time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. I want to just point out a couple of things. First and foremost, why are they trying to get him to go to the place where he's going to be persecuted? Where they're going to try to kill him? They know he won't stay. Why are they doing that? Well, the Bible qualifies it. First and foremost, it's because they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. So can you imagine being the half-brothers of Jesus, and you guys are a poor, fa- poor family, maybe middle class, lower middle class, and you, know, and you guys are carpenters, you build houses, masonry per, for the most part, you're known by everybody, and then your older brother one day just starts going off and saying, I'm the Messiah. I mean, they're like, have you lost your mind? I mean, think about your older brother. If he starts calling himself the Messiah, you'd be like, we gotta put him in, a, in an institution of some sort. They didn't believe it. Miracles are happening. And so guess where they begin to pressurize Jesus, or why? I believe it's because the Jews start saying, go tell your brother he's crazy. Go tell, how you want to be accepted in our group? How are you going to have a brother that's crazy like this calls himself the Messiah? So they go to him. And I believe they go to him for two reasons. Number one, they're jealous. And number two, they don't believe. They're jealous and they don't believe. Can I tell you, most of the persecution you're going to experience is because people are jealous of you and they don't believe. That's what you're going to experience. His own brothers did it to him. And then they say, you need to show forth your miracles because anyone who wants to have a public ministry should not be doing these things in private. Guys, when are we going to get delivered for trying to be social influencers and just go out and love the world right where we're at? When are we going to get set free from all that? Anybody with a motivation to try to be somebody great and big is going to end up in a situation where they're going to get destroyed because the motivation of the heart always proves out the action behind it, right? And so if you and I, all we want to do is get people to like us and get people to to clap for us and get people to, to enjoy, we will never be able to stand for righteousness and we'll never be able to point people to the goodness of our God. As long as we are trying to get them to like us, then we'll never be able to point them to his holiness, to his goodness to the life-changing experience that all of us have had and they need. Are you with me? Say yes. This world is dark and broken and every one of the people who do not know Jesus, when they die, they will spend the rest of their existence in total brokenness and eternity in hell, as the Bible calls it, totally separated from the Lord. We are on task in this moment more than ever to point people to the one true God. And because we want to do that, because we want to give them hope and life, that will create persecution. You will be on this bridge eventually. You will be on this. But if you'll keep on that bridge and cross past the fear of being persecuted, past the insecurities that someone may not like you, you'll come to a place of deeper maturity in Christ. You'll come to a place where you become like that oak tree that cannot be moved, that cannot be shaken. The double-minded man, the Bible said, who's unstable in all his ways, blown about by every wind of doctrine. Well, this person's right. Wait a minute. Well, maybe this person is right. And I just, and I, look, no, we need to be oak trees in this hour and say Jesus is right. I don't care about the rest of all that mess. I don't know about, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'm going to say that right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) So from that point, we even see that the disciples were persecuted. Do you know that all of the 11, of course, Judas hung himself. Do you know that all of them were for the most part martyred? The people that Jesus spent his time with and discipled and mentored, all of them, minus Judas, who went and killed himself, were somewhat martyred. And I use the word somewhat because John's a little different. Let me, let me explain it to you. James the elder, he was slain by Herod Agrippa, had him killed. James the lesser, they crucified him in Egypt, and his body was severed. They cut it up in pieces. 
John the Revelator who wrote the, 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 uh, the book of Revelation. First and foremost, they tried to boil him alive and God saved him from it. It didn't work. So he gets out of the boiling oil and they're like, oh my goodness. Then they poisoned him, made him drink poison and it didn't kill him. So ultimately what they did was they threw him on the Isle of Patmos, which was a prison colony, just to live out there and hope that the people out there would kill him. And he survived that and wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, how about this one? Um, um, Jude, Jude was martyred as a missionary with arrows at Mount Ararat while he, while he was preaching. They started hating him because he was telling them about the truth and how God loved him. They started putting arrows at him. Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew was a missionary and he was martyred. Peter was crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified the way his Savior was. Uh, Philip, Philip was crucified and his body was wrapped in papyrus because they wanted to humiliate him as they put him basically in newspaper. Uh, how about this one? Simon, Simon was martyred on the mission field. Thomas was killed in India with a spear. He was preaching in India and they stuck a spear through him because they didn't want to hear the truth about Jesus. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross and Bartholomew was filleted alive. They began to slice his skin and his meat off his bones until he died. I want you to understand that the church, Jesus promised because he was hated that we would be hated as we love and we shine forth light into darkness. I can remember I was in Bible school and I was trying to finance going to Bible school. I quit university because God called me out of, out of an engineering program at LSU and said, I, want, I have need of you to come and be a minister. And so I laid it all down and I, I went to Bible school and I was financing it by working. I was working at Sam's Wholesale Club. And, uh, and I got in this job at Sam's Wholesale Club and, I, and I, I was working. And in those days, we didn't have scanners. You had to type in the, the barcode number so that it would pull up, you know, the, 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 the cost on that product. And so there was two of us. There was one working the cash, cash register, and there was another one was taking and moving stuff from one basket to another basket, calling out the barcodes. 5205, Starlight Mints. I still know that one. Come on, somebody. And I would just be passing the stuff. And this is 30 years ago. I'm passing the stuff and passing the stuff. And, and there's a little sweet little old lady. I think she was an uh, African-American lady. She had come, and she had her little envelope. You could tell that was probably her money uh, for, 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 for the year. And she had an envelope, and then she paid and so forth. And I helped her move all her stuff. She moved on, and we didn't have any customers. Customers and I'm kind of standing there, and a couple minutes have passed by, and I look on the back, back of the register, and there's that little lady's envelope. And I grab it, and it's got 16 $100 bills. Now, 30 years ago, for a Bible school, Bible school student, that is the lottery. I have won the lottery. I will be able to eat Roman noodles for the rest of my days. Are you with me? <laughs> Come on, somebody. And I'm like, oh! And I was like, oh, look what I just found. And the gal working the register was like, thank you, Jesus. Woo! She said, I'll split it with you. And I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. I said, we're not keeping this. I said, we're not keeping this. We, we got to turn this in. And when I said that, she lost her mind. You blanking, MFing, blanking, blanking, white blanking boy, you this, that, and the other. I was like, girlfriend, we friends. Oh, no, that's my money. You turn it in, you know the manager's just going to keep, because they no good MF and blanking. She's just off, 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 going off on I said, sweetheart, I'm not keeping this money. I am not going to hell over $1,600. If it was a million, it'd be a little more difficult, I'm going to just tell you right now. But I am not going to trade my salvation, my character, my integrity over $1,500. Are you crazy? When I tell you, I wouldn't turn that money in. That girl made my life a living hell every day I went to work. Every day. 
if I somehow, one time I, something happened with my car, so I showed up late. Oh, there he is. Uh, I can't come to work on time. Thinking you better than all of us. Thinking you, uh -huh, we all ain't no good. We ain't holy enough for you. I mean, every time I walk in the, in, the, in the break room, and she'd be in the middle of talking bad about me, making up stuff. I'm like, you don't even know me. Rah, 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 every day, every day, just, just smack, 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 smack. But I'm in Bible school, so I'm learning these doggone principles about love and kindness and forgiveness. See, she don't know where I come from. Because <laughs> where I come from, I will have cut her. But because I'm trying to be like Jesus, and she's pushing and pushing and persecuting. In fact, I'd like to bring you to those principles today, how Jesus actually taught us to deal with persecution. Are you with me? So look in Matthew chapter 5. This is how Jesus teaches us how to handle persecution. Are you still with me? Say yes. Are you getting something? Say yes. Come on, I'm going to get you across this bridge. We're going to serve God together. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which, which despitefully use you and persecute you. So let me give you the four principles he teaches us here. Write them down. But here's the four little principles he teaches us on how to handle persecution. Number one, love. Love your enemies. Love them. Now, this word is not a being verb. This is an action verb. There's an action that's supposed to happen with this. How do you love someone who's persecuting you, who's treating you dirty, who's not appropriately responding to you trying to just be kind or whatever. How do you love them? There's an action verb, and every scenario is different, but the question is, Lord, how do I love this person right now? How can I show them love? For some people I've coached over the years, bring them a gift. And say, so whatever I've done, I just, I just, I want you to, I want you to know that I love you, and, and, and I just, here, I just want to, I want to give you this. Break down that hatred by acting like Jesus, showing love. Here's the second thing he says to do, bless them. Now that word, bless, means it's a verbal action to bless, to speak out. How many times when somebody's doing you dirty, do you speak evil instead of blessing them? To speak favor over them, Lord, I bless them. So years ago, Jamie and I had a horrible experience in ministry. We were done wrong. There's no and or buts. If I, if I relayed half the details, even if I exaggerated to make it me look better, at the end of the day, you would say, wow, you were really done wrong. And I was talking to one of my friends about this uh, this weekend, and I promise you, those next sermons, we left that place. That's how we got to Texas. Those next sermons, every one of those sermons was like, I tell you, you can't trust leadership, but you can trust Jesus. I tell you right now, man may fail you, but Jesus won't fail. It took a while for me to get there. And every time their name would come up, I'd say, yeah, y'all just don't know about them. I did not have the ability to bless them because I had anger in my heart. And the Lord began to work on me. He said, I want you to forgive. I said, I have forgiven. He said, no, you hadn't because you can't bless them. Bless those who do these things to you. And so I started practicing. My prayers started like this, Lord, I pray that you would expose their wickedness so that they will not hurt anyone else. That's where I started. <laughs> and then the more I prayed for them, the more I prayed for them, which is actually point number four, the more I prayed for them, the more my heart turned towards them. And by the end of it, I was calling God's favor. I was speaking life over them. And then it changed in conversation. Do you know so-and-so? Didn't you? Weren't you used to be on staff there? Yes, I used to be on staff there. They're, they're good people. We had some difficulties, but I'll tell you, they're good people. I wasn't going to lie about it. 
Say, oh, man, this is so wonderful. No, it wasn't wonderful. But I stopped cursing them, if you will, and started blessing them. Here's the third thing he tells us to do. And he said is, and then he says, do good. Again, this is an action. Do good. They do evil, you do good. They, they, listen, you want to fix your marriage? Do this. These are his core principles on how we're to engage with those who hurt us, with those, who, with those who misunderstand us, misappropriate us. Do good. Again, an action. And then the final thing he says, and pray for them. As we already covered, pray for them. I promise you, if you will start praying for the people that you feel like are persecuting you, or the people you feel like hate you, or the people you feel like misappropriate you, or the people who are always making comments every time you post something and they turn it and twist it, pray for them. As you pray for them, what will happen is God will do one of two types of things. Either he will heal you and you'll be stronger through it, or he will fix them and you'll be stronger through it. Either way, God wins in the name of Christ is glorified. Either way, that's the goal. We got to get across this bridge because, again, crossing the bridge of persecution brings us to a stronger place in our maturity. Brings us to a stronger place because the goal is that we continue to mature in Christ and we continue on. How many people do I know who've been persecuted, been mistreated? Can I tell you who's persecuted me more than anybody else? Church people. Church people. It's like, don't, I, thought, I thought you was a Christian. Like, how are you going to say that? How are you going to do that? Right? We have this tendency to be harder on one another and persecute one another. It was Jesus' own brothers who were persecuting him. And look what he says to them. Back to that John passage. He says, for you, they won't hate you. Why won't they hate you? Because you don't ever stand up for anything. You don't ever shine forth glory. Can I tell you, Jesus, Jesus didn't do things that in the natural you and I go, why, that's, why would he do that? That's so terrible. That's so harsh. All Jesus did was shine forth light. And as he shined forth light, darkness got mad about it. Darkness got mad about Jesus just doing good. The Jews wanted to kill him because he healed on the Sabbath. Not because he robbed somebody. Not because he was lazy. Not because he gossiped. Not because they wanted to kill him because he was doing good. That's persecution. But what Jesus did and what he taught us to do was be good to them. Love them, bless them, and pray for them. These are the pieces that he's taught us. In fact, handing per persecution this way, by loving, blessing, and doing good, let me tell you, by handling persecution this way, it actually shows maturity. It shows that you are maturing. It shows that you and I are growing out of, it's all about me, and how come they did that, and I don't understand, I don't, and they this, and they that. Listen, have you ever had those old mamas in the faith? I had some of those old mamas in the faith at the church I grew up in. And they just, oh, baby, baby, it's going to be all right. It'd be all right. And, and then they just, oh, baby, let me tell you something. Ain't nothing new under the sun. Ain't nothing new under the sun. And I just, I stand. They did this. They said, oh, baby, come here. Let's just pray. Come on now. He's like, that's all you got? That's all you got? Yeah. They done been through it so many times. They've crossed this bridge enough to know that they're not going to sit on the side and become bitter. They're not going to sit on the side and become hateful. They're going to cross this bridge of persecution and keep moving towards maturity. Are you with me? Say yes. My old, pa my old pastor used to say, brother, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And friend, if you can just have enough stamina in you to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I love Jesus. And by loving Jesus, that may make my brothers and sisters mad. 
And by loving Jesus, trying to be kind and gentle and, 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 and act the way Jesus, that may cause people to not like me because of what I stand for, what I believe in. And I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, I, and I appreciate that you don't believe that. But I, I believe this, and I'm going to stand for that. And because I'm standing for that, if that, if that causes you to hate me, I'm not going to hate you back. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do good for you. Are you with me? Say yes. Can I just explain something to you? There are many people in our church who have doctoral degrees. Sorry. Obviously, I don't have one. And to get that doctoral degree, they had to write a thesis. And that thesis had to then be presented to the brightest minds of that university. That thesis, whether those people agreed with it or not, was then broke down. And it was challenged, and it was pushed on. And, it was, and they had to defend their position. And every one of these professors who challenged their thesis did not make it easy. They had to prove that what they wrote about, they believed. What's happening in this hour right now is God is asking Christians to prove what you believe. And that's going to feel like persecution in this hour. People are going to push and they're going to tug. But you have to be the dog determined that I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm going to do good. I'm going to bless. But I know what I believe and I know what I'm going to stand for. This is the hour like we've never had to win the lost and the hurting to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's going to cost a little bit of persecution to help people not go to hell right now. It's, it's going to cost you that. But I don't know about you, but I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to bless when they curse me. I'm willing to do good when they do evil to me. I'm willing to pray for them, even though I know they're talking bad about me. Is that you in this place today? Say yes. Hey, guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you say, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. And you can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.